What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Welcome back to the show. Regular listeners of the Electric Runway podcast will be familiar with the idea of the circular economy, a topic that has become top of mind for the fashion industry. In case you're not already familiar, the circular economy is a restorative and regenerative system that uses innovation to cut waste and minimize negative impact, replacing the traditional linear model in which products are cheaply made, consumed, and then disposed of. According to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, the textiles economy is projected to release over 20 million tons of plastic microfibers into the ocean by 2050. My guest today is Camille Reed. She's the founder of the Australian Circular Fashion Conference, as well as the Australasian Circular Textile Association. She's on a mission to champion circular textile innovation in the global fashion industry. Today, we're going to talk about her exciting upcoming event, as well as her newly founded association. But that's not all. Camille's also here to shed light on new and existing startups from down under and the emerging Australian sustainable fashion market. It's a jam-packed episode, and it starts right now. So Camille, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Amanda. It's great to be chatting, particularly that we're um, you know opposite sides of the world today. So it's my morning and I know it's your evening. So fantastic that we can connect like this. And I always love including accents on the channel. So <laughs> I like a good Aussie <laughs> accent. So thanks for bringing that as well. Pleasure. <laughs> so for those who don't know, who are you and what is the Australian Circular Fashion Conference? So yes, um, not too many Northern Hemispheres have come across us directly. We're getting good traction nonetheless. So my name is Camille Reed, and I've worked in the fashion industry for the past or just over a decade now. And traditionally trained as a textile designer, I've worked for several major labels in-house in Melbourne. And it was sort of towards the end of the 10 years that I learnt um, sustainability in fashion is a thing. And there's actually somewhat of an issue around how we, we're understanding that, both on the industry and consumer side of things. And nonetheless, as most people know, when they start looking into sustainability, and this applies for all different industries and particularly the circular economy, it's very much a rabbit hole and you fall down the rabbit hole very quickly when you find that there's more to be learnt. So from that notion of stepping away from fashion and running my own freelance uh, for a couple of years, selling my textile design prints through studios internationally. I was more passionate and more falling in love with the idea of being able to change industry. I had tried to do so when I was working at my last full-time job in Melbourne at Forever New, uh, writing them a new sustainability department to um, sort of best lead the company ahead of the curve and into a new era of industry. And through that, I suppose, sequence of organic events and particularly having conversations with local experts, finding out what resources were available in Australia, my partner suggested perhaps you should run an event and, you know, maybe 80 people. And I said, no, no, we're going to be going big. We want to change industry. It's going to be 300 people. So that was the initial plans. We called up one of the local recycling supporters or charities called Planet Ark in Australia. And they had a public media relations person on the other end there. And they said, that sounds fantastic. You know, give us a call. 
back when you've got more information, we would be open to supporting such an event. And nonetheless, that birthed quite an interesting experience over the past 15 months. And here we are again in 2019, looking to launch the second conference and touching on launching a, a new industry national association to support the anomaly of transitioning from a linear to a circular model. And I have to say, I probably don't say this enough, I still love fashion. It's not to poo-poo fashion. I think it's fabulous. It's just how can we do it a little better? Absolutely. And so I want to get into the alliance that you are launching in just a moment. But for now, let's talk about the events, the Australian Circular Fashion Conference. You recently just announced some really interesting speakers. Can you tell us a little bit more about who's going to be there? Absolutely. Super excited. And these are one of those moments when you're creating these sorts of events. Can, can I do this? Can I ask them to come over? Will they come over? And I uh, spoke with a really lovely woman who works, she lives and works in New Zealand. She's currently in the UK finishing off a project, but um, Jacinta Fitzgerald from Make Good. I collaborated with her to sort of pull apart, well, who else is in the world? And particularly between both our um, knowledge and network, who can we contact? Who can we reach out to? And it was looking around the pillars of the circular economy and within the aspects of the design, manufacturing, supply chain, end of life use, uh, reprocessing. And a few of those core fundamentals that I was looking to pull out and have speakers address those topics specifically. So nonetheless, those speakers are coming from all across the world, UK, Stockholm, Switzerland, New York, New Zealand, and they're just incredible people having the Skype conversations with them to be able to learn more specifically about who they are, what they do, and particularly their passion and to receive their support is just phenomenal. So I got in touch with Alan Larson from Philippa Kay, several of the ladies, Carmen Gamma from Eileen Fisher, and then speaking with Megan Meeklejohn, been in touch with the, several of the other team members via email, and then Professor Becky Early from Mr. Future Foundations or Chelsea London College. And amazing Becky and Alan work really closely together and have been for the past couple of years on some of the big projects that Philippa Kay is um, testing and trialing the, with development. And Christian Dresig from Blue Sign over in Switzerland and Jill Dumain, their CEO. I've had some fantastic conversations with her, hoping to get her out. I suppose our local homegrown talent is New Zealand. Um, Katmandu, very much in a big, big company, have been around for decades. And over the past several years, they've really made huge strides into transitioning their business to best incorporate eco-friendly processes and systems and it's really reflected massively on the company. Australia is amazingly their biggest market. They're cracking into the US market but we'll have some representation from them. I shouldn't forget Juzi Patoni from Class in Milan. So Class I fortunately had the opportunity to pop in their office last April while visiting Italy and terrific team. They've been working over the past uh, 10 to 14 years in this space, working specifically with industry and particularly some really large names like H&M to be able to try and educate, facilitate, run workshops with the company, introduce other options of sustainable materials. And Juzi has a fantastic knowledge and resource bank, having worked with Gucci and whatnot in the past. And uh, she'll be addressing some of the marketing side of things and why it's important for industry to be able to communicate the message as effectively as possible. So it's just you know, gorgeous woman, gorgeous people coming across and some of them visiting Australia for the first time, which is even more remarkable. Oh, that's going to be really exciting. Isn't it a small world when you start to really narrow down fashion and innovation? I actually know Juicy. We met in uh, Russia. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> of all the places. <laughs> of all the places. So that's so great that you have this international attention uh, for what Australia is trying to do. So in North America, you know, we have companies that we point to when we want to talk about sustainability or circularity, whether it's Patagonia or Stella McCartney. Who are the Australian companies that we need to know about that are really representing circularity? Yeah, good question. You're right. There are a few sort of front runners and poster childs for um, sustainability elsewhere in the world. And we do equally reference Patagonia in particular. I say Kathmandu is the Southern Hem equivalent of Patagonia. I mean, they haven't been on their journey nearly as long. Traditionally founded as an outdoor, you know, active hiking wear company. It's only been in the past several years, as I mentioned, that they've stepped into, well, we can do better. So Kathmandu are, are quite a significantly massive company. And they're very prevalent in the market of advertising what they're doing right uh, with the new new processes and introducing natural dyes and these sorts of things and better quality sustainable materials in their product. So in terms of a couple of the other companies, we haven't necessarily hit that high note for companies to be able to communicate effectively with our consumer market. And that sort of stems back to some of the blame game that is coming out of the negative press and negative impact from the likes of H&M and Burberry when they're splashed across the media for having burned or getting rid of, you know, however much dead stock. So there is room for these companies to be able to take ownership and leadership, but nonetheless, their their internal dialogue is right on track. They're all working incredibly hard towards how they can do better. Some companies, for example, that aren't nearly as big as Patagonia, but we have Spell and the Gypsy Collective, they have a tremendous international following, very renowned for their bohemian, flowy, somewhat festival wear. Those beautiful co-founders, Lizzie and Isabel, are actually platinum sponsors of the conference. And they started their journey several years ago based upon providing women quality product and something that they'll cherish forever. And that has transformed that identity of having a quality product into how can we just do better and ensure that we're delivering uh, an eco-friendly footprint through everything that we're doing, how do we ensure that our customers are still getting exactly what they're looking for without having to adjust pricing and all these sorts of things because there's different cost considerations to come into play. We're also speaking with G-Star. They're obviously an international company. We do have an office in Australia for G-Star and they're being one of the very few companies that have got a cradle-to-cradle gold certified denim. They see that the Australian market is at that next step to be able to say, well, how can we best represent them in the market? And there's some really terrific, you know, conversations coming out of these big brands who are looking to just take that step up and do that a little bit better. And we're having conversations with lensing. So lensing actually produced the fibers um, to be able to go into fabrics. So they don't actually produce fabrics physically themselves, but they're the very first start of the implementation of the supply chain and the process to be able to create things like we know on Tencel and new fiber coming out reprieve most of these items you know are in everyday fashion and i think that they they should be basically put on a pedestal for being uh, one of the biggest companies in the world and being one of the biggest attributes to be able to offer companies a better opportunity to engage with such sustainable materials so we have i suppose an emerging market for brands to be able to come out i'm chatting with a corporate workwear company and primarily servicing large corporations like our banking sector, our postal sector for their uniforms. And they don't necessarily have a consumer facing aspect, but I suppose you could call their clients or their uh, their customers and their consumers. 
but how can they also do better? Corporate uniforms are also have significant impact in terms of wastage. They're disposed of just as um, quickly and easily as uh, everyday fashion. So there's a few names that um, I can't necessarily say out loud all in one go, unfortunately, but yeah, we're making tremendous strides in towards what we're doing. Fantastic. So that was a lot of information. So for listeners who want to read more about um, the Australian circular fashion kind of economy, we're going to put links up on Electric Runway. But now I want to get to this alliance that you're forming. So Camille, in addition to the conference you're running, you're also forming an industry association. Can you give us the details? Yes, absolutely. Now, this has been a bit of a slow burn, Amanda. (laughs) As you can imagine, uh, pulling together a conference as a one-man band, and I, I would love to have a team It all requires money these days. I would have to say since the last conference, which ran in March in Sydney 2018, we, amazingly enough, a former colleague who I used to work with in Forever New in Melbourne, she moved up to Sydney not too long uh, after I did about two and a half years ago. And she's working for another major fashion brand. But nonetheless, we kept in contact because we share the same synergies behind making an impact and doing somewhat living a legacy and changing the industry. So Wendy and I, thought, well, we need something. We need a little something more to be able to back this and, you know, provide some backbone other than just running an annual, we like be like a one day annual conference. What, what else can we do to support them through the rest of the 12 months? So an industry body was announced on stage at the last conference to say that we're going to work towards something like this. And of course, having a, a heck of a lot of meetings with lots of different people, particularly those overseas, Alan MacArthur, Rap Foundation, some people who created some fantastic apps, um, Common Objective, met up with Fashion, uh, one of the team members from Fashion for Good in Amsterdam while I was over there last April. And as I mentioned, class in Milan. And it's connecting with these these wonderful organizations to best understand where their footprint is within companies and how their traction is picking up and, you know, some of the, the pressures that they've been feeling and or how, how easily are they seeing that traction pick up now because the topic of conversation is so rich between everybody globally that sustainability is just at that sweet spot that we'll be able to consider it the norm in the next five years easily. And... Over the past, I'd have to say, well, since August, worked solidly on the association and what that would look like, having a couple of interns from a local university in Sydney and working closely with uh, Wendy to define the opportunities there. Fortunately enough, I applied to compete in a competition, a global competition called Climate Kick Global Launchpad and was flown over to Scotland last November to be able to pitch my idea and amongst 135 other competitors and I had to compete against a bucket load of other Australians to be able to get to get that opportunity and that really gave the guts and the body behind okay this is this is something this is a thing people see the opportunity here and they recognize the identity behind what the enormity of change should look like so it's very much systemic change across an entire industry and it's called the Australasian Circular Textile Association As much as we're focusing on the fashion aspect at the moment, we do recognise that textiles in a whole do have a significant impact in general waste, landfill, recyclability, and also how companies are treating them at the moment. So we will look to incorporate every other textile element going forward. So we're going through writing our constitution at the moment, just drafting it with a lawyer, will be up and running hopefully in the next month or two and then we'll be launching at the conference in March. So you're not busy at all. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. (laughs) No, it 
actually sounds fantastic. You're doing so much for the industry and to see how you're pulling it all together from a distance is is absolutely inspiring. So Camille, you know, we know the environmental argument for incorporating sustainable practices. I think everyone is starting to think about that. But what is the business argument? And so in, in, in other words, does going green get you in the green if you're an apparel business? Great question. Love the way you phrase this. And it's a really interesting one. And I've tried to test people, also the experts, when I have conversations with them as well. I do believe that there's a heck of a lot of writing that supports it, whether that's, you know, quantitative writing and data and facts behind it. There's a really fantastic study that came out of the NRDC, uh, National Resource Defence Council in North America, Clean by Design Project in 2014. A lady called Dr. Linda Greer headed it up. She's no longer with them. But they did. And this is sort of tapping into one aspect of the, the multitude of what um, the facets the industry have to address. But they pulled together quite a number of companies and manufacturers from Asia and the companies would be based on first world mainlands. And they assessed the quality of, of the, I suppose, the spaces that the manufacturers were working within. And there were some really easy things to fix up, very sort of fundamental in terms of gas pipelines, water, cleanliness, uh, efficiency, waste, the structure of the building, the integrity, employee culture. And some companies would spend between forty to 350000 US to be able to make improvements through their manufacturers and their supply chain. And the studies sort of capped off after a couple of years. Companies had already received the return on investment within a short couple of years. So it's a fantastic study and we'll pop the link up there. And I see that as just being one of many future examples to be able to say, yes, the return on investment is massive, like any good investment with a company. And particularly we're discussing pivotal business change. Industry can never go back to the way it used to look. We're taking a new step forward and particular new economic approach to an industry such as this will nonetheless require some sort of, I suppose, dropping the cash from company to make change. And particularly the consumers are going to be able to support this. And there's always going to be a new market to be had. So I think one sort of small notion that was forgotten a couple of years ago in the early discussions of, but why do we have to do sustainability is there's a new conscious consumer market emerging. And a few of the big companies in Australia that I've been speaking with are actually factoring in that conscious consumer to be able to cater for them. Because if they're losing that, then they're losing fundamentally a whole section of their business who they can be shopping to. And that's really where it comes down to. It's, it's meeting at both points, really, to have the consumer aligned and have the industry aligned and the transaction of business is creating that new normal. And I think that's really stepping towards, well, we can see positive economic impact going back into business. I understand that Lensing's product, for example, I'll touch back on the fabric guys because I know a little bit about them. The Lensing's product, just because the Tencel, for example, is forested out of sustainable forests, they're doing a terrific program behind how they work and how they send it out. And particularly when they communicate with their companies for who they choose to work with, because it has to be a mutual collaborative effect. You can't necessarily just grab their product just because you want to be seen as doing the right thing. But so no greenwashing is coming into play there. And they say it's interesting. I've challenged the concept, but what if quantity can create that competitive market to be able to force down and drive the price so everybody can get in and have a go at it? And 
it doesn't work exactly as that way when they're talking about such specific fibers. Just because there's going to be more of it and more players coming into the market to have a piece of it doesn't necessarily drive down the price because there's so many processes and there's so many other third parties in the different tiers of supply that fundamentally need to make money. They need to make a profit. So there's a few things I think that will just come in a more of an organic flow of how we're going to see a return on investment and how we're going to be able to juggle the costs. Immediately, there are small changes that businesses can make, which will have very little costs like take back programs. How can they invest in uh, looking at textile recycling? We have a couple of companies who send textile waste overseas to specifically be reprocessed and remanufactured into other goods. So it's not traditional closed loop. It's called open loop recycling. So there's just, you know, there's a few different concepts there that are be able to touch on early that they can make change with and potentially see a growth, particularly through their conscious consumer. Yeah, it's really interesting to me to see how sustainability is breeding these new business models to cater to this conscious consumer, as you mentioned, but then also to see this kind of reevaluation of how we think about profit in business. Of course, we traditionally think of it as money. When you think about giving back to the environment, giving back to communities in need, I think that these kind of concerns are coming into companies for the right reasons, like regardless of whether or not it's profitable. But then I think in the end, they are realizing that it is the the more efficient and greener route to go. But uh, we're kind of seeing a reevaluation of what's important in the fashion industry. Or maybe I'm just wearing my rose-colored glasses. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I think you're absolutely right. I'd say the rise of the B Corp or B Lab organization and how many people, and it obviously includes so many different industries, that profit-for-purpose business model. B Lab or B Corp is growing in Australia and that's definitely that step towards, well, we know we can do other things so much better. The social enterprises is is definitely a part of conversations more so artisan work, collaborating with smaller entities and startups, boutique and bespoke, you know, designers who are doing some some things very differently. There is there is a step towards positive impact on all levels. And I guess I'll touch on that I'm sure you you'll know Amanda and lots of the work that you do that and all the listeners particularly. The millennial conversation, how millennials are now the biggest market uh, globally, who are our biggest shoppers and biggest influencers across so many different categories. And interestingly enough, the, the millennial market over the next, I say, five to 10 years will be the biggest earners of investment, which will flow on through the chain of you know heritage. They'll be inheriting the biggest amount of investment and they will be the ones pushing it into the positive impact. They'll be the ones steering away from all just because it's a profit in terms of revenue profit hard cash they'll be pushing that business model to say but but what else does that mean what else can you do all right good for me and my generation (laughs) (laughs) so camille i know that it's early i want to let you go so that you can get on with your busy day but just one last question for you for those in australia how can people get tickets and for those who won't be able to attend the conference in person how can they follow along and stay in touch with this very important work that you're doing (laughs) Awesome. I'd love to share. So tickets, you can easily jump onto the website, australiancircularfashion.com.au. And there's plenty of links there to uh, register now and purchase now. We do have the second release of Early Birds at the moment. So we're keeping prices relatively affordable. And the good news is we're running a full one day workshop the next day after the conference where all the international speakers will be hosting their own two hour workshop. That's to create some more intimacy, engagement and fast track action. So jump onto the website. I'll be updating it the next couple of months to ensure all the current information is there for speakers and agenda. 
And to follow along, you can head along onto Facebook at Australian Circular Fashion. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can hit me up personally, Camille J. Reid. I've got a terrific following and a, a good community network there and I post quite regularly. Also, I've just uh, joined up to Twitter. I, <laughs> social media, I think, uh, is a necessity and Twitter is the last account that I've pulled on. And also Instagram uh, at Australian Circular Fashion. So there's a few different means there, but I'm happy for anybody to hit me up personally on LinkedIn. Great. And once again, we'll put up all the links on Electric Runways that our audience can connect to yours. Camille, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks, Amanda. I really appreciate it. Terrific questions and great to chat. That was my conversation with Camille Reed, a woman to watch in sustainable fashion. She's the founder of the Australian Circular Fashion Conference, as well as the Australasian Circular Textile Association. For more information on Camille's initiatives, we invite you to visit electricrunway.com and click on podcasts. That's where you'll also find all past and future episodes of the show. For daily fashion tech freshness, we invite you to follow Electric Runway on Twitter and Instagram. We're at electric underscore runway. You can also follow me personally on Twitter. I'm at Amanda Costco and at electric underscore Amanda on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, here's looking towards the future. Thank you.